0: Season three of Around with Stephen Cole is made possible by listeners like you. To find out more, visit patreoncom arwsac.
1: Welcome back, faithful listeners. I'm
0: Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton, and coming to you pre-recorded from my mid-city bar, Twelve Mile Limit. It's time for Around with Stephen Cole. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season three of Around with Stephen Cole. I am back, as always, with my partner in crime here, the Night King of New Orleans. Shadow, Shadow King. Shadow King, Shadow King, King of New Orleans. Shadow King has of new been Orleans. a while. Mr. Steve Yamada. I want to say, hey, Steve. Hello, everybody. Uh, I was just actually uh, in preparation
1: for this uh, new season that we started. I was going over some of the statistics. I'm kind of blown away. We started this podcast as a lark. I guess 2 years ago pretty much. Two. Yeah, 2 and change. 2 and change <laughs> and uh we've had like 55, 5600 downloads so far with minimal promotion. So, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, we're dedicating this season to all of our listeners, uh, past, present, future. Uh, so thank you so much su- uh, for supporting us and listening to us and actually going on social media and demanding that we make more episodes. Dude, there's been a couple. Yeah,
0: people have really been 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 hankering for it both on social media and in the real world. When I whenever I bartend, at least one person is like, "So are you are going to record any new episodes?" and I'm like, "Eventually, <laughs> uh, but a lot's changed in our in our lives since the last season. Steve is no longer a limitation, which is the term I use to no. affectionately refer to the staff here at Twelve Mile Limit. I only work at one of the top bars in New Orleans now, not two of them. Ah, slacker. <laughs> um, I had a little kid. Uh, he's a four month old named Felix. He's generally in good health and spirits. Oh yeah, I don't e- I don't even live in Mid City anymore. I moved to the Seventh Ward. So. The Seventh Ward. I haven't seen your new place yet.
1: That's nice. That's nice. We'll have a moving in party. We'll record a
0: podcast there. (laughs) Ah, that sounds great. We can do one at my house, too, sometime. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, why
1: don't we go ahead and get started here? Uh, So uh, we like to represent New Orleans as much as possible on this podcast. We've had musicians on. We've had chefs on. We've had other bartenders on as well, too. Um, I think that there is a specific group of people who kind of tie all of those things together. It's it's those uh, hardworking pen and paper journalists out there. Who are pounding the pavement and getting the story and making sure we all stay informed? So, today we'd like to welcome one of the hardest working journalists out there, Mr. Todd Price. Why don't hey. you go and introduce yourself, sir?
2: Hey, I'm Todd Price. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm the dining reporter for NOLA.com, The Times Pick You, and been on staff about six years, uh, but working for them, goodness, almost a decade. <laughs> um,
0: so, you were freelance before? Yeah, I freelanced for role, about five
2: years doing strictly drinks. Okay, uh, And then when I came on
0: staff, it was more restaurants with some drinks. So. I didn't realize... Okay, you you started... Well, um, I
2: started before that. That wasn't my first job in town. Sure.
0: But, yeah. well, what was your first job in town? Let's start there.
2: Oh, going all the way back. So my yeah, first why? job in town was Gambit.
0: I've, okay. I made the rounds. Uh,
2: I was the... Uh, well, I freelanced for Gambit for a while, and I was the food critic for Gambit hmm. for six months <laughs> to the day. <laughs> <laughs> My last review was Gotros. It was uh, it published the Sunday that Katrina hit. And then I got stuck out of town and things happened. But um things happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. complicated things. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got is it let's say 10 years ago you start writing for the Times Picayune before yes. it was nola.com. Straight upsy-downsy line, the Times-Picayune. Ew. Or was it already... Did it already have that moniker officially at the time?
2: So back then, as I understood it, and of course I was a freelancer, so you sort of see things in shadows, but uh, back then, com was its own entity with its own office downtown. The Times-Picayune was in Howard Avenue, the giant beast that's about to be torn down. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was, as I understood, not always uh, a lot of love between the two. So. So yeah, the the website was actually a
0: separate—I don't know what you call it—division, company, office. It was owned by, yes, of course, of course. And then since then, they've been merged into a single identity with a somewhat cumbersome name. It it is, yeah. NOLA.com,
2: unpronounceable line, the (laughs) (laughs) Times-Picayune.
0: Well, I think uh, even more
1: interesting than that, too, if we're talking about, you know, you were working to the gambits up until when Katrina struck. Right after Katrina, there was that really big, like, you know, will we have a daily publication in New Orleans as well? And, you know, the Times-Picayune came out and was like, oh, we're going to start publishing two or three days a week, I believe, is when they were going to do print runs. No, I mean, that happened in 2012 when they went to three days a week. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, <laughs> Here, you know, what, Here's me. I can't remember the past. <laughs> no,
2: I mean, what, what happened after the storm, uh, it basically all went to the website. Um, and, you know, in the first days after the storm, it was really just a blog. They were tossing up stories. Everybody's running around, finding bits and scraps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gambit was shut down. They weren't sure they were going to come back. Um and I mean, I don't, I don't know if you were living here, but everybody was desperate for news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, amazingly, you know, some of the places that stepped up, uh, the wine shop, I'm going to forget its name, an American can, what it uh, used to be it called. It was it Clever. Was Clever, at the time, Clever. Yeah, yeah. It used to be, now it's Pearl, it used to be Clever. No, it was a name before that.
1: It was before Clever. Before Clever. Yeah. I don't know what it was before, Clever. Well, anyway, (laughs)
2: whatever it was, uh, they actually turned their website into a discussion board. And I remember that being one of the main places where people were able to kind of talk Mm -hmm. about, particularly in Mm -hmm. mid-city. So I I think, you know, I mean, certainly the paper, and again, I wasn't there, but it made everybody realize the value of the web in a way that they hadn't before, perhaps. And you you think, I mean, this was 2005, obviously – I mean, it's amazing how quickly it's changed, but it, it, people were still kind of figuring things out. I think
1: most definitely, and uh, you know, to my point, I think when I got back to the city after Katrina, yeah. um, social media was my big outlet too, right. because at that right. point too, I mean, social media was a much more reliable news source. Mm-hmm. Things certainly have changed since then, but you know, that's how <laughs> you reconnected with everybody who you lost contact with. I mean, right. like, you no know, people's cell phones got lost or damaged; they were yeah. scattered to the four corners of the wind. It's really how you're able to keep in contact. But I mean, with people. Facebook
2: wasn't really. Anything. I don't even think Twitter had started yet.
0: I don't um, think you so. MySpacing people? It was, it was Facebook. MySpace, you know, blogs. Remember blogs? Yeah, I remember blogs. Blogs that's were the, uh, oh, the old, yeah.
2: that's what podcasts used to
0: be. Yeah. <laughs> but you can, people you, had blogs. Now you can podcasts. listen to, you can enjoy a podcast with your hands free or, or your eyes free and uh, and do other tasks mm. around the house, perhaps. So that's quick. True. So polls. for all of true. you doing laundry right now, I salute <laughs> you. A quick poll. Between the three of us, who had a live journal? I never
1: had a live. No, neither. I did have a blog, but not a live journal. I also didn't have a live journal. Don't look for that live journal. There's no. nothing <laughs> super emo on that live my, journal. My
2: original blog was on Blogspot. I think is where I started. Okay, yeah. yeah. Is that
1: still active? Oh, I have no idea. Isn't that
0: really crazy how much information I, we've probably Block put Blockspot Blogspot was bought by Google, actually. Okay. It's the official. And then, and then r- they probably killed it. Yeah. They just, do it with they've everything done they buy. nothing to update it in the last... I Actually, I, I started a blog a few years ago when I was trying to update up, up my profile as a writer. Oh, is this when you
2: were listening to every album? In the that, was some, that was one of the things I, I remember about. that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I am still
0: listening. I'm into okay. the 320s now. I don't blog about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on sure. is because you have, over the past 10 years, at, at NOLA.com, Upsy Downsy Line, <laughs> The Times Picayune, uh, have borne witness to that transition as it has transitioned mm. from a daily newspaper to something that really is upfronting uh the the website the website is the primary they they are nola.com then the times Picky you now mm-hmm. and it's gone to three days a week publication yeah. and the the online content is, is is a larger and larger part of that and that's sort of the way that traditional media is evolving in these modern times and a lot of people seem to a lot of people from the old guard who are doing this before Mm -hmm. haven't taken to the new landscape as well as you seem to have taken to the new landscape where you're, you're out there. I constantly see you on, on social media, both like sort of curating the NOLA.com's content and, Mm -hmm. uh, and also um, just keeping yourself highly visible in the community. Mm -hmm. And the way that print media and its online outlets are struggling to survive in a modern media landscape. Um, You seem to have thrived in the new paradigm for someone who... Like, like somebody like Tom Petty, for example, who is making music in the seventies and then music videos come around and he starts making awesome music videos. Not everyone can transition to a new medium like that. Yeah. So congratulations on being Thank Tom you. Petty, Thank Petty you. of food and beverage criticism. <laughs> um, but what exact, how have, how have you been able to survive and even thrive in this new landscape? Mm. Whereas other people have had greater difficulty. You know, I, 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 well, I appreciate
2: that. It's very kind. Uh, I, I think part of it is I came to this late. This is a second career for me. Um, what were you doing before this? Before I was we? an academic.
0: Okay. Yeah, what did yeah. you
2: teach? Uh, Spanish. Spanish literature. Spanish language at Tulane. Mm-hmm. So. Interesante. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Bilingual here at around. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, so for me, I mean, I... I made the full transition to being a full-time journalist when I was 40. Um, you know, I'd freelance for eight, nine years before that. But, uh, so I didn't have this sort of institutional history, you know. I hadn't been doing it the way it always had been done for a long time. That's probably helpful.
0: Didn't have uh, that sort of muscle memory, I guess. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's tough
2: to shift gears. It really is. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I think... And I think I would say it's not even the website now is the primary product. I think we see the social media as being as important as the website. I mean, we have I mean we put as much energy into growing the Instagram account as we do to getting people to read our stories. Hmm.
0: Um, how does that generate revenue? Oh what's, it the, what's the business? It doesn't, right, as far as the, I know. How, what's not the business my business. Of yeah. How do you, how um, do you Yeah. <laughs> because then that, that's the that's the question. Because a yeah, lot of people see online as if it's not free, then they're not going to take it. Right. Yeah. So then they're, they're, they're basically, they don't want ads and they don't want to pay for content. That's yep. the, that's the double bind of online media. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you monetize it? Not you personally. No, thank God. <laughs> I, that's not my problem to solve
2: because that, that's, I mean, it's the thing the entire media industry is dealing with. But, you know, we've looked at it not just being ad based. We have, um, sponsors for certain projects that we're doing. Uh, we just rolled out a series of videos called where Nola chefs eat and that's sponsored. Um, so we're, we're looking at things like that. I mean, I, I think the reality is you've got to do it all. I think for a while it was very easy to make money in newspapers because mm-hmm. you sold ads, uh, mm-hmm. and ads are very lucrative and you only only printing press in town. Um, so you were the way to reach everybody and you're not anymore. Uh, again i'm not running the business side thank god um but i think you've just got to diversify and do every kind of thing you can't just have one source you can't just do ads you can't just do this or that and and so how how does the other stuff make money uh, it doesn't really right now the instagram I mean, we've got 75,000 followers on instagram does it make money not a penny um but you know we've got this facebook group that good god has 50,000 members which
0: is, is it, that the where nola eats yeah
2: group? which which makes it sometimes more lively than i'd like but uh <laughs> that's, that's how, how does it make money right it, it doesn't um i think though perhaps you know when you have that profile then it helps sell other things people want to be involved in some other way so they might want to sponsor a video series because they know that you have this brand that's out there that people look to so i hmm. i think it's an indirect sell um that that's the hope. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think all of us in the media, even though you know I joke and say, Thank God, it's not my job. It is kind of my job to worry about the business side. Uh anybody who is a journalist can't help but worry about the business side because we see colleagues getting laid off. Uh, you know, the business is really tough. Uh, and we worry about how do we keep journalism alive because there isn't a real clear business model for everybody. Um For anybody, really, I think. I mean, I think outside of a few places like the New York Times and perhaps the Washington Post that are big national publications.
0: um, Well, The Washington Post, I think they being bought by Jeff Bezos essentially means that they never have to make any money. To a certain extent. I imagine You you would
2: think, but they don't have unlimited resources. I mean, I was on a panel recently with the uh, arts and entertainment editor of the Washington Post, and she faces some of the same pressures we do. Like, she needs to get some photos shot for her food stuff, and she's, like, fighting with the politics side to get some time with the photographer. Um, So even a place like that doesn't have unlimited resources. They're still throwing elbows and trying to get things done, so... Um, but they have a lot more resources, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they got a nice cushion. So the Fair. world's wealth- is he the wealthiest man?
1: I believe he's currently he's the wealthiest he's man. A, in the world. He's in
2: the top five at
1: least. Yeah. He's a super Maybe villain and super villain in training. Basically. There you go. There you Just go. go. Just need to see the Doomsday Device. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pivot back a little bit. Let's talk about um, the role uh, that you possess within the community of New Orleans a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you have um, this. You kind of possess this like aspect where you need to be a bit of a storyteller, a little bit yeah. of I mean, I hate to say gatekeeper, but you're definitely like an informer of things that are happening, new things are happening, and also things that some people may not be aware of that have been happening for a little while. I think that's kind of like uh, the role of most people in food and beverage um, journalism in the city. Um, What are some of the challenges that you face um, here in New Orleans because of that?
2: I mean, the biggest challenge is just having enough time to get everything done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of stuff that happens in the city. And and once you commit to something like, we're going to write about all the new restaurants, which seems like a small thing to do, until you realize what that actually entails. Uh, and then you want to peel off time to go do a story that takes more time. I, I think it's the crush of just trying to keep up mm-hmm. and then trying to sort of carve out that time so you can do a story that takes more time. I mean, the amount of things I want to do that I can't get to is...
1: Probably the biggest frustration, most definitely. Um, so I kind of divide my time in New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans since uh, two thousand three. Okay, and a uh, year earlier than me. I got here ha no ha, 04. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> Not as long as Chris Hanna. <laughs> but uh, so I, I like to divide my time up to, of course, you know, pre Katrina, post Katrina, and now yeah. I feel we're kind of like in this new era where like you know i every now and then i'll still get people who come to my bar and they'll say it's like oh tell me about katrina and that's like it used to be such a uh, such that, that was just a matter of course like sure. right after the storm and for years afterwards it's like you were the you know walking traumatic entertainment for people coming to visit <laughs> series it was the commodity that we were selling as a city sure you know, as a tourist industry
0: um but, but it's been 14 years <laughs> i mean
2: there were people who were like they were like 10 when it hit and now yeah. they're drinking right no um, younger yeah right
0: mm-hmm. i the the People born in 1998 can drink now. If that's any frame of reference. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're
1: not not in the year 2000, right? That's that's the more important thing. What's, oh yeah, you're 2000, when 2000 can lead. drink. That's. Whew. official old age now uh, i guess uh my question is i think that uh the way that restaurants have opened and the way Mm -hmm. you report on restaurants has changed very dramatically in those three different periods of time yeah um you only had six months of experience working with the gambit i think before yeah but then
2: i came back and i worked for new orleans magazine Mm -hmm.
1: and offbeat excellent uh why don't you go into details a little bit about how those three phases have differed for you
2: Yeah, I mean, when I was working for Gambit, um, it was a very straightforward, let's review a restaurant every week kind of thing, Um, which is not something we do anymore at the Times-Picayune, and a lot of places aren't. Um, When I came back... And I, I was gone for about six months. Got stuck in Dallas, of all places. Not a great place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're not from there,
1: are you? <laughs> I've got a lot of friends in Dallas. Yeah, <laughs> I've had good I've had good times in Dallas. Yeah, we love you, Dallas. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
2: Better times in Houston, probably. So well,
1: yeah, I could have a good time anywhere. I'm a bartender. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, enough about Dallas.
2: <laughs> um, and I, you know, I do think there was a story. It was much about recovery, about trying to find stories about trying to sort of nurture this thing that we all thought was going to be lost, perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, Neighborhood restaurants, uh, cuisine that perhaps might not survive. And there was that sense. you know, And and it was a great time to tell stories because there were so many stories. I mean, everything felt really important. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think it was.
1: Um, People were keyed in from a national and a local (laughs) market as well. Everybody was just devouring as much, uh, devouring these stories. Like you put out a story now, I feel, and people... It might get lost in the ether yeah
2: exactly and and the story wasn't that complex either it was very clear and compelling we're saving things we're finding things we're nurturing them we're all on the same side um and you know and and that was a and I think that was what it was like to live in this city as well um, you don't want to talk about I mean it was terrible for many many people and there was a lot of loss, but for the people who came back, I'm sure you remember there was this shared sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. We were going to bring this city back, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we were all on the same side, you know, you came back. Awesome. You're with us. Um, that, that dissipated, Mm -hmm. um, and just the mess of things moving forward in a messy way and expectations falling flat and politicians being politicians (laughs) and not heroes. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, I I, th- I think the city, the story is much messier now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, in some ways, is a really exciting time to be eating here. A lot of chefs are doing great things. Uh, the culture, in some way, culinary culture, is more vi- vibrant than it's ever been. But it's also, you know, as we've seen with sexual harassment, with other issues, it's hard to kind of have this sort of naive
1: investment
2: in the culinary scene.
1: Yeah. I
2: think. You start to see behind what's happening. And yeah. Most definitely.
1: And I really feel that another thing, as well, is like directly post Katrina everybody was kind of like we all have to work together to sure. rebuild all of this there was right. much more support there was just like you know yes. oh we want to make sure that you make it and anything you need and all this other right. stuff I think we're at a point now like people are opening up and restaurants aren't making it for those we, we don't get these buy years where it's like here's yeah. a little extra time to try and figure it out and right. you know, build your clientele like places go out of business in a year now which was not mm-hmm. the way it was right after Katrina mm-hmm. um, I think we have opened up room for shade to be thrown at each other's <laughs> establishments and it's, it's, it's it kind of sucks it's like you know it's <laughs> (laughs) like oh well that place i hear their vukare isn't that good it's like who would have said that like 10 years ago that's such such a weird
0: thing i suppose i feel like yeah but there's the the other side of that is that sometimes it felt in that immediate post katrina era that everyone was too afraid to say anything that they really believed no i think that's true as well i mean
2: i I think there was a lot of grading on a curve
0: yeah everyone just wanted to be really nice and support each other and nobody was really just saying things as like nobody was being critical in a way Mm. that is is, i think there's is important yeah no i mean i i think criticism i I
2: wish we did more of it but i think criticism is important because you need some pushback you Mm. need someone to kind of sharpen
0: what are some of the you, you you mentioned that the, the difficulty of finding time <laughs> to do the kind of projects that you want. The longest article I think I've ever read in NOLA.com line, Times Picayune, it was Brett Anderson's article, I think it either late last year or the year before. About the Best Restaurant Group's sure. culture of harassment, and it you was spent
2: eight months working on that.
0: <laughs> I it showed it was it was amazingly researched. Yeah. It was thoroughly in depth. It yeah. was impactful in a way right. that we don't always remember that food and beverage criticism can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me feel like where. It, was this was there only room for this because it was ostensibly through the lens of food and beverage criticism? Because I'm sure there are so many other areas of corruption that we could mm-hmm. explore in the city, and yet the only real in-depth, deep dive into an allegedly corrupt organization was... From a food critic, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, it's not that that's the only thing that that y'all are, right? Um, but is there is there some is there still a, a sort of a misplaced energy there, or are we just trying to get it in where we can to this point?
2: You know, I I think. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of internal staffing that goes into that, um, and and I think at the time when Brett wrote that, there weren't many people who could peel off eight months to do it. And frankly, he was able to do it because he was Brett Anderson. You right. know, he, he had a really well-established reputation, respect from all the editors. He pushed for that story. He said it was worth it. Um, and so I think he was able to make the case that it's worth doing, uh, because of his position. Um, since then i mean we have established um an investigative unit of four or five reporters who do get to peel off and do that kind of work mm. um could anybody do it probably not but these people have the time you know things like our children central city looking at the effects of uh, violence and trauma mm-hmm. on young children that was a big project um they did a big project on um what was the other <laughs> oh on mental health excuse me uh in louisiana so but, I, you know, I, it's, I mean, it's a kind of a not very exciting topic, I feel like, but staffing and finding time, you know, when you're in the daily grind, it is very hard to step back.
0: What's your, what's your dream story? My dream story. Yeah, what do you, what do you I wish you had the say time that. To I can't Don't I get, get s- scooped. There you go.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't actually have a dream story. <laughs> Now I have stories that I want to carve out time for, but I don't have like one like the whale. Minute. This will be the one. Not at the moment, but it will oh. come. It, it'll right. come while you're working on other stuff. I mean, that's
1: the thing. The big stories come when you're grinding things out day by day. Fair enough. All righty. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick mid-show break. Uh we'll catch you in just a little bit.
0: Hey everybody, we've got a new feature for season three of Around with Stephen Cole, the mid shift. That's this. Uh, instead of making a cocktail, we're just going to chat a little bit about where you might be able to find our guests for that week, and uh, we're going to plug our Patreon a little bit, too, so... Bear shill, with with us. shill, 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 shill. Shill, shill,
1: shill, give us your money. Yeah. Uh we've uh we've actually got the podcast set up pretty well right now, but uh there's always on oncur- un- recurring fees rather um that have to do with hosting a podcast and also producing a podcast. So, um any support from our listeners definitely helps out a lot. Uh we've set up a Patreon account. Um as of this recording, um we still are not 100% aware how Patreon works, but we have a page if you'd like to support our page or learn a little bit more about how to support the show. Uh, Check us out on patreon.com
0: slash, slash AR. S A R W S A C. Steve it. has a trouble saying a long string of letters that sound meaningless. Yeah, right. It's just, yeah, it's just Not a robot. A R W S A C. I am a robot, so it's convenient. But really, yeah, there, there's uh, a lot of people. A lot of listeners have said that they really love the show. They were excited for us to come back and do more episodes. And we are speaking specifically to those listeners. Give us a dollar. I like to think of it as like a tip jar. It's like, oh, you like this? Uh, you like this episode? Here's a dollar for this episode.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's move on and talk about our guest for this episode. Uh, In uh, full disclosure, we're actually recording this segment uh, a little bit past uh, the time we actually recorded our podcast, which gives us the benefit of hindsight, which is actually pretty amazing in this instance.
0: Yeah. It turns out, since the last time we spoke with Todd Price, uh, NOLA.com, Upsy Downsy Line, the Times-Picayune, has been bought by rival publication, The New Orleans Advocate. And... While some members of the uh, Times-Pick Writings team will be moving over to The Advocate, Todd Price and others will not. And Todd is launching his own separate independent venture. So you probably want to learn more about that because he's an interesting guy, does interesting things, and we want to hear more from him too. So you can find him at his personal Facebook group, Todd A. Price Eats Drinks, and um, that's at, sorry at Todd A Price eats drinks, or you can find it as Todd A Price eats and drinks. Um, he also has an email newsletter that you can sign up for. Food Crew spelled K R E W E dot to subscribe, and you can email him at todd at dot todd That's it's an interesting transition because we we talk a lot of in this episode about navigating the landscape of digital media and what the role of newspapers are and it seems like there's a, been a little bit of consolidation in this market yeah
1: this is a, the, one of the more ironic episodes i think we've recorded as of late
0: yeah there was an episode i think it was in, sort of midway through season two where we chatted with a gentleman from the new movement theater shortly before he became me tooed really hard uh we decided to leave that one as is but if we had released it. <laughs> if we had the opportunity to do something like this, we probably would have spoken a little bit more yeah. about that. On a personal note, uh
1: Todd, all the best of luck with you. Um I think that you've really shown um just a lot of grace and class uh as this time has wrapped up uh, with nola.com. Uh I've I've really enjoyed your posting of uh, former articles as well. It's been um just kind of a walk down memory lane of like how this industry and the city has grown over the last few, three years through the dining culture.
0: Yeah, we talk a little bit in this episode about the Facebook group Where Nola Eats, which was originally just designed as an extension of Nola.com for them to post their articles and share them. But has really become a very important forum. There's over 53,000 people on that page. Uh, They are going to continue. It will continue to be moderated by the Advocates uh, Food and Dining uh, editorial team. Oh, and little Felix here, my uh, (laughs) six-month-old baby, has some opinions on that. Got something to say, Felix?
1: Oh, now he's quiet. When you when you bring him up to the microphone, he's actually very quiet. <laughs>
0: hey, you, got, you want to verbalize a little bit for us? No, I don't no? So. You got yeah. nothing? All right. Well, I'll just put you six inches from the mic again so you can chew on the cable. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, well, let's uh, go back to the second half of this episode with the benefit of a little bit of hindsight. All right. We are back from our break. Still here with Todd Price of NOLA.com, the Times-Picayune, talking about the... Evolving landscape of food and cultural criticism. Um, I wanted to, I guess, thank you first and also just draw a a line. When we opened here at 12 mile limit, this was in the fall of 2010. uh, We were open probably about a month and a half. When, uh, when, when Todd reached out and said, Hey, I was going to do a little story about your, your new project. And then did. and, the Thursday that the article dropped online, uh, our business was probably I don't know some five times over where it was the previous Thursday, and we were we're we're off the beaten path. Nobody really knew what we were here. That we were here. I didn't have much of a profile in the scene yet uh, to enough to garner a ton of attention. It was enough to garner attention of somebody who was already in the know because Todd and I had worked together on on articles in the past that he had written. And, and then Friday it was in the the print version. And then that weekend through the end of the year, so at least, and then probably for the first few months of 2011, we were just, people were just banging down our door. We were, we were, it was crazy. And maybe it was the, the combination of something of a unique concept that people hadn't really seen like a a cocktail program in a fairly relaxed bar environment before. So there was some novelty to it. Mm Um, but it really, like, but nobody would have known about it if it hadn't been for that. And there was, it was like the end of the dress rehearsal. It was like, it, once we got that sort of write up and the legitimacy conveyed by being written of glowingly in what was then still the only major newspaper in the city it it changed things for us and it sort of that was our our entrance onto the onto the stage in the city as as a as a business as very similar to what happened a couple of years before when i was on the opening staff at coquette brett anderson wrote a very glowing review that we'd been open for about 4 months and after that we couldn't we were we were turning away walk-up business for for wednesday lunches you know It, it was it became bonkers for for the remainder of that year and it was just insane the difference before and like we were doing fine everything was sort of dialing up normally people were responding well and then we got one high profile review that was very good and boom It's just the floodgates opened and it was it was hard to keep up with at first, but in a good way, Uh, because, again, we were, you know, fledgling business, small, small business. And does that happen anymore? And I I know that none of us have I've been working on it for a little while now, but none of us have opened a new place in a while and had. Someone come You're in and write. About an article, to but find but out. Did, you, did, did that happen at Latitude, did, or were you all high enough profile? What was that like? Because oh, you were on the well, founding side I've opened. I've opened. Where else? Yes. How
1: many
2: places have you opened?
1: A <laughs> lot. Enough. How many are still open? Is the question. <laughs> uh, well, yeah,
0: what's. Has any have you had latitude similar latitude was a
1: completely different thing. Latitude yeah. had its own like press machine behind it, and we had a following, and like you know, craft cocktail community is very insular when it comes down to it. So mm. when you have the support of the of of the regulars who go to a lot of these craft bars and the bartenders, then you just kind of have people who go there, and it's owned by Jeff Berry, who's you know internationally. Right known below. Yeah, we, we so. get it from a couple places. But I will yeah. say um, that, you know, back to a couple months ago, and every time that that list comes out, and is this is your list the top bar list? Yeah, I, so? I do the bars, Brett does the restaurants. So every time that the bar list comes out, um, I, I've been lucky enough to work at several of those bars, but last year, or the year before, uh, I was working at both Latitude 29 and 12-mile limit, and there's definitely a spike in business mm-hmm. from that list once that comes out. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, 12 Mile is a little bit more flexible in being able to accommodate when people come in here i think they know more what to expect and when people come into latitude um it's weird i feel like there's like a certain group of people who just they they pull up the article uh <laughs> they check the names and then they just go and they're like this is a good bar i bet their french 75 is awesome over there and it's like <laughs> i mean i can do a french 75 at latitude 29 but you know you're gonna have a better french 75 at maybe the french 75 bar, I think. <laughs> maybe and it's probably the same french 75 um but, yeah, so there there's, is still that uptick. But to your point, Cole, I don't see that, like, you know, that sea change kind of thing. That, like, mm-hmm. make or break or, like, you know, in that, that light bulb clicking on kind of moment. I, I have not seen that recently at too many places. Mm-hmm. What about you, Todd? I mean, it's – I only hear about it anecdotally. I mean, I don't have a
2: real beat on the impact of writing about places. But I, I think it happens sometimes if it's somewhere off the beaten path, somewhere unusual that everybody's not talking about. Um you know, I remember when I first wrote about N7, which was doing everything it could to be off the beaten path. Like, <laughs> which when I also walked in with a camera, like he made me tell, <laughs> told me to take my camera away. <laughs> it sounded like an April Fool's joke. It did. N7. It did. That's right. People didn't actually believe it was real. Um, um and I, you know, I and I wonder if when we wrote about Saint Germain, kind of back to back, sort of very glowingly when it was a bar, and then came back and I wrote a review where just loved it as a restaurant. I wonder if that had an impact cuz I think it's another thing that was mm. probably not on people's radars. So, Been pretty yeah, busy. It you know. is it is kind of, it's yeah. a, definitely
0: a sort of a niche yeah restaurant. And and with the with the closing of the the root family of of bar and restaurants. Right. Um they they might be the highest sort of technical concept mm. in the city right now. Mm-hmm. The which re- does require an elevated level of people's awareness yeah. to succeed because they're if, if they're casting if they're, if they're the at least on the food side the the wine bar element of it is fairly fairly straightforward yeah and pretty right. accessible but on the food side some of the the things that they're aspiring to are a bit niche mm-hmm. are a bit more avant-garde mm-hmm. and it requires a large a large and broad awareness to really succeed because because yeah. there's only so many people that are interested in what they're offering so they need to have as many people as possible aware of it to catch those small number, Mm -hmm. percentage-wise, of people.
2: Yeah, and I I think it's what you see throughout. I mean, everything is very niche right now, right? It's the same with music. You know, there's not the big hit. Mm. Everybody has their own little thing. But if you're able to reach that small audience that wants that small thing, I suspect it still has a big impact because, you know, you're connecting with that small group that wants to go to a place like Saint-Germain that may not have known about it um, because they don't have a PR machine behind them. Uh so I, I you know I hope I'm still sending people to places like that cuz that's makes yeah. me feel good well, you know places that I really think are excellent um and you know we hear things recently at French Quarter Fest we went around did Instagram stories and all the new stuff and we heard back from GW Finns cuz they had a really good crawfish and they said oh everybody came over they said they saw it on Instagram so maybe that's where it's happening it's a much smaller thing it's not like driving business to your bar for a year but it's People, you know, in the moment, well, I'll get that po' boy over that one at the festival because I saw something posted. Yeah. Um, it can be for the
1: positive and the negative as well, too. And I think, yeah, that's I like wonder about the, the power of tell like, me about the negative. I mean,
2: I, I hear this sometimes from the restaurant list as well that I, I people think... get customers who aren't, as you said, they're, they're not <laughs> well, really the customers they want because they're they're not. Completely into what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, but like, customers are customers. But I think, yeah, I I think more money's money. Yeah,
1: my my bigger example is the uh, that dim sum restaurant that opened up on Oh, Kater good
2: Street. God! And I uh, didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> not right. I, By the time I get to writing about yeah. it, I was you know it was like, already a forty five minute wait.
1: Yeah, here's this uh this tiny twenty seater dim sum yeah. restaurant opens up in the French Quarter and right. I mean, you know,
2: owned by a family that had a restaurant in Kenner, which people in the know liked, but was it a wasn't really good restaurant. Yeah, it was really, but it wasn't as if this was some place that had lines out the door and everybody was Mm -hmm. ready for their return. I mean, there was something that happened there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a real, I think it was a, there was enough press about it, yeah. and then like some people kind of like, I, I don't know, it just it just hit all those things, but it went, got so busy that after a couple articles came out about it, they had to close for yeah. a week. and uh,
2: they had to stop doing
1: lunch. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah, they just couldn't handle the business, which yeah. I mean, like any restaurant, I can only imagine closing a restaurant for a week in the French quarters, like that's going to be hit any way you look at it. But also thinking about what would have caused a restaurant to close too, it's like if you're going on a really long wait, like the amount of food that you're probably comping, the amount of people who will never come back to this estate. Establishment ever right. again. Um, I think a more... Another example that, um, I mean, I think Frenchman Street's a perfectly good example oh. just in general. <laughs> Frenchman Street used to be where, is it gone? <laughs> where the locals would go, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> what every guidebook said. Yeah. Right. It's, we'll, and you know what? <laughs> damn the bartenders. still do. Because we used to say that, all. right? Yeah, we yeah, used we we all to be all like, same oh, same. Sure. you seem like some cool customers. Why don't you go to the Frenchman streets where the locals go? Now it's where the khakis and the lanyards go. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bacchanal, another perfectly good example. And, you know, congratulations to all the success that Bacchanal's having. Um, but the, you can't get a table there. One of the last Times I went and, like there's a door person to it on it kind of blew my mind is yeah. like there's like you and you know it's a good system and they're making sure that they're controlling their room for the most part, uh, but you know it was never the kind of place where it's like wait in a line to get mm-hmm. in here kind of it was always that place that you should just be able to like go and hang out at but you know they're doing gangbusters business so yeah. good for them you know they put in the time and they're and it's cashing in for them but is that, you that know, a bit of
0: the old uh, Yogi Berra nobody goes there anymore it's too crowded <laughs> yeah most definitely I mean that's it's it stinks for me
1: because like my mentality is like oh that place has been ruined which is like a really <laughs> terrible mentality right but you know I think that they're is wildly successful it it's dis- ruined yeah. I think it's reflective for a lot of New Orleanians though, sure. right? Like once yeah. once people know about it. And and I I know there's And the problem
2: is everybody knows about everything. I mean, yeah. how often do you get the question, "Oh, I want to know the spot that nobody knows about?" And it's like, "I'm not hiding it from you." <laughs> Literally, I, I mean pretty t- much everybody knows. I mean, the city is so covered locally, mm-hmm. nationally. There are not all of these little hidden
0: spots that we're keeping to ourselves. Okay, there I bet I bet we all there's have a few. Hidden spot. There, Let's do it right now. There's a few. I'm, I'm not, not gonna, I won't tell people you won't say thing. your spots? Anyone you can tell me one like under the radar spot in New Orleans. I always tell them something else. That business I don't is struggling really right now, sir. <laughs> They're doing fine. You could save it.
1: Yeah, but I think it goes back and forth, and I, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on this a little bit, Todd. Because um, you know, I think it's the the nature of the beast when it comes down to it. But mm-hmm. you know, where legitimate journalism uh, slowly gets edged out by listicles and yeah. things like that. Um, how how have you had to cope with that as a as a journalist?
2: Well, I mean, features writers like us, we've always written lists. It's not as if this is brand new, um and I think some of the blowback to the list is just cranky old journalists who aren't paying attention. I mean, if you look like, oh yeah, it's another headline with you know x something something, but go to any newsstand, look at what they're putting in the front of magazines that's mm-hmm. always been how you catch people's attention. we're just doing it the same way they did um but, having said that, yeah, we write a lot of list, and sometimes I get really frustrated like another damn list, mm-hmm. another. <laughs> Although, my favorite thing that we do right now is the monthly list that Brett and I put together of where to eat now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of our new way to approach criticism. I mean, it's not critical. It's sort of promotional. We're telling you where to go. Uh, We're not really knocking people on that list. But it's something that because it's a list, because we know everybody just wants sort of a little nugget. Mm -hmm. They're not going to read a 1,000 word review we can give you nuggets about all kinds of different places and we get in we get out and here's our one opinion about this place right now the one
1: thing you should try so I i think we've adapted that way I definitely Same. appreciate the the where to eat now or yeah. like more because it seems like it's always like a blurb and it's usually more specific about this is a dish that you should get. Right. But it always seems right. like it's like a hey, I've been to these places, they're on my mind kind of thing. Yeah. Like as opposed to other publications that have like the running list of like hot restaurants and things like that. Let's yeah. not name names here or no. like that. I can imagine. But that always seems just like this weird hierarchy kind of thing. And like the disclaimers right. that are always like this is in no particular order. It's like, well, of course there's a particular order here because like you know <laughs> that whoever sees number well if you put 1 and then a period and then a name next to something <laughs> everybody associates that with number 1 right mm. So I, I don't know it's just uh, I, I feel like it's it's odd because we get a new breed of of tourists in town now and yeah. you know food and beverage travelers have, have grown exponentially in mm-hmm. the last you know decade or so but I whenever I see somebody who walks in and they've got this hard list that they have to check off I just like mm. I don't think that person ever truly enjoys himself when they're traveling. It seems like work or like, you know, I associate lists with chores with like, so you you
2: see people come in and just like, I've got to get to these 10 spots. Yeah.
1: It's like, Oh, I need this drink in 10 minutes because if I don't get this drink in 10 minutes, I'm not going to get to get here and here and here. It's just like, that's
0: not how you enjoy a bar or a restaurant, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like why not? I mean, maybe there are places where I would like to go and just camp out for a while. But if somebody wants to just, just do a, a, a very surface level, like, just play the hits, man. Kind of <laughs> attitude about visiting. Who are, who are we to judge, right? I mean, if they—if that's how they want to experience a city it's like, here's the list. I'm going to do the list, and I'm going to go, and and they derive satisfaction from that. Is it, is that wrong inherently, or is yes? It- but I, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I think. It, well, I mean, I think
2: the question is, does it change the way you guys operate your businesses? I mean, do you feel yourselves
1: at latitude? I feel that we cannot we cannot execute to our full capacity if right. somebody's just grabbing like even to go drinks. If somebody grabs one of our drinks to go, it's not going to look as good. I don't think it tastes as good out of plastic. Yeah. And if you're holding it in your hand, you're transferring heat into it, it's going to melt, it's going to water down. You're just not going to get the same experience if you're sitting in a room covered in bamboo yeah. with curated music happening and having a conversation. I just think that, you know, if if you were to go off to Yelp and write a review based on a to go drink you got at at Latitude 29, I think that like, you know, it's invalid. Like your experience is not valid. To so me. why do you guys do to-go drinks then? Money. <laughs> we're, we're in the French <laughs> Quarter. I mean, people are going to ask for it. Because you could say no. Yeah, yeah, plus we're in a hotel as well too. Right. So we we definitely have to cater to the hotel clientele sure. a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think for us, I mean, we have a a new kitchen here at 12 Mile Limit, K-Pasta. Mm-hmm. They're doing very well. Um, uh, the food is delicious. It's it's exciting again. We got it, and we got a little media attention. You, you change things up. That's a, yep. that's a story people wrote about it. Um, they it was spe- one dish was specifically featured. Um, and then people started pour not pouring in. It's not like they were banging down our door. <laughs> um, but people really focused on that one dish. And would it have been nice for them to have tried everything on the menu? Like come in with a big group and get everything. Like sure maybe, um, but do I begrudge anyone who came in and like got that dish and and a quick drink and then left? No, not at all. That was great. I, I, I'm happy to have had them, um, and it was delicious. So it's a, it it is an accurate representation of what what we're doing in the kitchen now, mm. um, and it it brought a lot of people in. But it was and it, it was it, to a certain extent a very surface level uh, visit to the new kitchen. Um, but it was a more than welcoming of that of that crowd. And that it, we're better off for it. Sounds like you got to be the tiebreaker
1: here, Todd. (laughs) Which, which camp are you in here? You're, you're, you're moderating this debate between me and
2: Cole. I mean, I think about the way I travel. I mean, I certainly make lists if I'm going to go to another city, but I'm not checking them off. I mean, I, I make lists because. So you have some options. So you you try to get to some, and if you have time, you get here and there. I'll
1: um, do some research, but like if I talk yeah. to somebody, I mean my concierge for a city, and I think a concierge for most cities is the bartender at a good right, bar, right. and like they really gain the trust of a bartender. I think you got to put in your time, you know, just like sit there for a while, like you know, make good conversation, and then they'll tell you the so real. So you give them the crappy <laughs> recommendations if they're only there for ten minutes. You, that's a weird thing too, because like do you in ever the send people border, to shitty places? I I don't I don't think places are shitty places, uh, <laughs> but there are some places oh, that I Oh, some places are shitty there are, places. <laughs> there are some places I think are going to fit people's needs a lot better. For example, yes. if there's somebody, if there's like a family staying at my hotel and they come in right. and they're looking for like greatest hits New Orleans food or something like that, I'm going to send them to the Dini's in the French Quarter because like, cool, you can get your barbecue shrimp, your po' boys, your right. like, you know, right. char grilled oysters there. Do I eat at Dini's at a regular basis? Probably not. Would that ever make one of my top ten lists for like restaurants in the city? Probably not. But if I take that same family who's not looking for this experience and I send them to like, like, I don't know, some of my favorite restaurants, like Maypop, for example, mm-hmm. they're going to go there and they're going to be, like, confused. They're like, I don't know what this food is and it's not really what I was looking for. I mean, I think recommendations have to be catered for specific mm-hmm. people. And maybe that's kind of, like, my problem with lists to come down to it because generalizing yeah. what is the best of something is – Oh, I, like, I, I
2: hate that whole – like, I, I'm not someone who can rank things very easily. Like, I don't see things as best. I see, you know, there's many occasions and many things you want, and these are the places that – depending on your mood, fit what you need. Yeah. Um, the idea that, I get that question all the time, what's your favorite restaurant in New Orleans? Well, I, I don't know how to answer that. Right. There's not one. It depends on what I want. Um, That's mofo for me.
1: <laughs> well, Sorry. there you go. I'm Some people have an easy, I'm such a homer. I mean, I don't know. I don't live in mid City anymore, though, and one of the big appeals for mofo is I could always walk. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know, just like, no. saying. What's, what's your favorite restaurant walking distance of your house?
1: I don't know yet. I haven't lived there long enough. I'm yeah. on the I'm on the other side of Melba's right now, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, actually, Illusion I, I, Bar has been one of my favorite places to eat recently. Okay, um, it's it, but it doesn't it doesn't scratch that like restaurant itch for me so much because it's like it's a fun loungy, kind of like relaxing place and the food's really good. So yeah, but I mean I don't know like. I don't know. Looking for that new favorite restaurant. I got a car with my partner. We can go to MoFo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say, like, as long as we're throwing out names of places we really love right now, Echo Pizza. Like, you know, oh, I can blow yeah, up that place. Yeah. Oh, Echo yeah. Pizza is so incredibly good. The bagels for breakfast are really I good, too. I have not gone, but mm. I've heard the bagels are good. But, man... <laughs> the uh Hard the to get margarita a in this town that's good, good news yeah wood fired A margarita pizza for like yeah, 6 bucks thing. or in happy hour throw on some anchovies they do these uh these arancini that they call soupli for a oh, dollar a piece yeah Stop. it's like arancini an uh, so with like some tomato so paste oh yeah <laughs> wow. yeah echo pizza like hey you know you know bombard it and knock the door down that's yeah, <laughs> that's my, that's <laughs> they my recommendation. It. they deserve it favorite okay. restaurant i might go after this in fact <laughs> all right same question to
0: you Todd what's your favorite restaurant within walking distance of your house <laughs> there is only one restaurant with than walking distance. Well, oh, good. no, that's not true. That's <laughs> that not, true. That not true. That is not true. Rosedale. Rosedale? Ah, okay. I still haven't been, I I been, been there really yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah.
2: Really, I mean, obviously, I just said it was my favorite. No, sure. <laughs> but, I mean, To be fair, there's only a few within walking distance, but mm-hmm. that's fair my enough. favorite. I guess, I guess I could walk to Mofo if I really wanted to. I mean, to, I guess it's,
0: the I mean, hunger, in New, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, How far do you want right. to walk is the question.
1: Go for vegetarian Thursdays, everybody. Get some delicious vegetarian food.
0: I love that restaurant. Which, go go ahead. You now it's your turn. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> thought oh, I, yeah. I was going to buy myself this. enough time. <laughs> to get there. And this is how
2: we find out where you live.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, well, I live within within spitting distance of 12-mile limit, so I'll go, oh. I'll go with k Pasta. Uh. <laughs> it's certainly the place that I eat the most these days, <laughs> if, that's, if that's a good measure. Mm-hmm. If if you're discounting places yeah, you can't, in which you I can't have a state, place. No, no. Um, I I like walking over uh, to the stretch of Carrollton that has many, many options uh, just a few blocks from here. And honestly, I really like the... the, the Lunch buffet at yummy yummy Chinese oh, it restaurant. <laughs> it's so gross, but <laughs> I love it. You're selling really it. You're enjoy. selling they're it. A, they're a Don't very nice go. family. Don't knock down their door.
1: 5 dollars, ten dollars, nine dollars. It's like
0: I think it's like five ninety nine if you're dining in, and then mm. it's something like a dollar a pound. You know, there is a point when the price <laughs> makes you wonder. So. Yeah, it's
1: it. You get what you pay for. All right. Inverse question: <laughs> A restaurant that is feasibly drivable, but you kind of have to make plans to go there. Uh, For me, tanned in every single time. If mm. I can round up a crew, because like there's two parts of that. One, driving to the West Bank, which isn't. You know, to all of our listeners who are not from New Orleans, is like ten minutes away.
0: But yeah, no, it, we, we, <laughs> act like, we act like it's another country. It's for everybody a ten New minute drive it's from so anywhere. Might as well in be New on Orleans. the moon now yeah. for it's, New Orleans. It's just because you
2: had to cross the river. There's something psychological. <laughs> about that.
0: To make sure my passports in order. Yeah, 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 yeah. You go
2: over water, it feels you
0: know. But um, Tanden is fantastic.
1: But the other thing too is you mm. have to get a big enough group together mm. that you can order more food. Because yeah, you just have to get as much food as possible. No, I,
2: I actually would. I mean, I love Tanden. That's a so place I go to. Probably I go to Tanden more than any restaurant in New Orleans. Nice. Right. If I yeah. had to like add up the visits,
1: I, I think it fits that niche too where the menu's huge, so it's like yeah. you can go multiple times and like get completely different. But what's your meals. favorite? My favorite thing over there, yeah. I'll tell you what I order. every. The things that I will always get when yep. I go over there, it's the lemongrass chicken wings with the coconut fried cakes that they do on the side because those coconut fried cakes oh. are really fantastic. Yeah, the chicken great. salad they do, the fried quails, uh, the short ribs if I'm feeling saucy. <laughs> <laughs> what about the goat curry? Uh, the goat curry is an uh, occasional thing. It's delicious, but sometimes I'm not feeling like you know, like uh, like that really saucy kind of thing. But, yeah, it's all really right, fantastic. Right. I mean, their fuzz is amazing over there, too. Their I have to say the fuzz,
2: one thing I'm not crazy about.
1: Favorite fun in the city. Oof.
2: You know, I think a lot of the pho bangs are pretty good. Pho
1: bangs is good.
0: Depends which one you go to.
2: Yeah, there's like five, but uh, the one in the east is excellent. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I, pho
0: orchid in Mattery is my favorite one. I, really, I like Namis, but I, I, they might be rounded up because they are walking distance from yeah. my house. So I'll tell you what's pretty, pretty good. It's really
2: um, in St. Rock Market, T2. Oh, yeah. T2 his, is amazing. Uh, yeah, and his family has Tauntaun in the West Bank. So oh, I didn't you know, know that. He, he actually does all the pho over there at the okay. restaurant. Yeah, his in downtown food is. Gretna, dope. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of. Hidden there, you wouldn't expect, but I mean, I mm-hmm. think as far is excellent. I think
0: if you want to talk about the, the appointment dining, need to get a large group and have a destination... Um I like I like Moscow still. Oh, yeah, so that, yeah. that old yeah. school Creole Italian, but yeah. still firing on all cylinders. And they and take really, reservations now. They, oh do they? They do uh, and they take reservations. Taking, yes, Weird.
1: they might be taking credit cards soon. Whoa. Uh, but it's, uh, it's all it's <laughs> all family stuff. Well, the money's gonna be on the books now? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you said it, not me.
0: It's fun. It's a fun oh. spot. It is worth the drive. Um yeah, I, I, I've I've never had a, a, anything other than a, a stellar experience there. Yeah. It's very experiential too. Right. It's, it's right, sort of the finding it is is half the half the charm. Oh, yeah.
1: So hurry up and go to those places because now we've ruined them. <laughs> ruined them, <forever. laughs> it's just, over. People so with
2: lists will be going there any minute. Yeah. ticking them off. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's what I like about the
1: check, places check, that are far away to get to, right? Because it's just like you nobody's know, going to. They turn did, nobody rented a car when they came. No, it's a new one. No. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, Midendorf too. Yeah, Midendorf. Go to still good. I go actually, yeah. I hadn't gone until maybe last year or around this time, and then I went yeah. twice in like three weeks. It's Renaissance really Festival good. on a Sunday in the uh, fall. Midendorf. You know, it's way it's back. the one
2: uh. we always try to plan our trips out of town so we hit Midendorf. Yeah, at most
0: lunch. definitely. Well, oh, that's sensible.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: You gotta pick up some uh, some Andouille, some boudin if you're heading out that way. <laughs> oh, you know, and just what oh, yeah. Good old La <laughs> Yep. Yep. Right on. Well, uh, so I think that brings us kind of towards the end of our show. We have a segment here uh, that we call uh, parting shots. Uh, it's just an opportunity for our guests. Nobody told me about this. <laughs> no. <whatever>. <laughs> well, <laughs> if just you would listen to people. our show, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will now. <laughs> yeah. It's was, it was nice to catch people kind of in the moment too. It's right. like yep. you know, train yep. of thought, so they're not planning ahead. But uh, in our parting shots, uh, just uh, whatever you'd like to leave our our listeners with a little nugget of advice or you know anything like that. So, why don't you take it away, Mister Price? I'm on the spot here good god
2: one nugget of advice Um, I don't know get out more in New Orleans we all need
1: to have customers so
0: Absolutely, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that holds. Yeah, get
1: out of your groove. I would. Say. I think that's like, yeah, that's a big one for New Orleans. Go like, somewhere this week that you haven't been before, mm-hmm.
2: because there's so many places. There's got to be spots you haven't been.
1: Most definitely. Sorry, yeah. Try try new. I mean, there's place. yeah. new places opening like, every week. Yeah. So. Is it first week of Jazz Fest? This, Jazz Fest is the Jazz weekend. Fest starts Thursday. Nice. Yeah, we got yeah. an yeah. extra Did day widespread cancel? Uh, <laughs> cancel yet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, what you got soon, school? Um. I I don't know it's 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 tricky. I'm glad that and see you were prepared. There's no excuse for you not. That's to true. Have I knew this go. was going to happen, you and knew yet like me, I knew it was coming, and yet I still never have a good <laughs> a good parting shot. Um, but it's I I like that there are still the old guard journalistic institutions. Uh, even even if they're they maybe struggling a little bit in the current landscape there's a legitimacy that is conveyed by having a print publication that's backed by that has fact checkers and editors and people that are dedicated to delivering a product that is fair and accurate and i think that while the potency of that may have have diminished over the years i think there's still value in that and i and i'm i'm grateful to see that there are people who are still dedicated to making it work because there's there's it's, it's an irreplaceable pillar of society in for free society and, and we can talk there's a, a bit of a frivolity to food and cultural criticism but to a certain extent that's what if that's what people are tuning in for if that's what people was yeah. keeping the lights on and makes the other stuff possible then thank you for your contributions <laughs> to our free and open I mean society. I mean that's what we hope
2: we hope sports and food you know keep the people doing the stuff that's not ever going to Get a sponsor uh, in their jobs. So there you go. Yeah. Steve, you,
1: you, you, I you got, I shot, you got my one. part <laughs> prepared you were ready? I've done this podcast for about 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I we don't really do. It's, it's, it's close. It's close. It's getting there, right? Uh, anywho, uh, so uh, what I wanted to say was I want to thank Todd um, and all the journalists out there who are members of the community, um, who are active members in the community, I think is an important thing. Um, in our industry, there's a bunch of bartenders who, uh, you know, we have to kind of like create our our brand, we have to build our reputations and things like that. And there's always this desire uh, for people to generate content. And there's a lot of publications that are out there that don't have those fact checkers who are just trying to put out, you know, lists as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, I think that there's more integrity to people who are going to follow your career, career, follow the people, and really do the work, and go out to eat. And your family lives here, mm-hmm. and you you own property here. I don't know, maybe rent. Who knows what's going on here? But <laughs> pay um, taxes. It, I think I think it's a matter of <laughs> definitely supporting the institutions sure. uh, that are going to do the real hard work. Um, you know, like sometimes. I don't think, you know, this is my advice to young bartenders. You don't have to be in every publication that asks you to be in their publication. Yeah. Choose the publications that you know have integrity, have a reputation, and, you know, uh, further down the line are going to support you and your career.
0: That's all I got. I no, I, I would say if you're, you're young aspiring bartender, and this is, we, we've we talked about this in terms are of the you guys going to disagree again? With, yeah, of course. That's, 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 that's the point 90% of, the show. of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that, you know, so, you got to kind of jump at all of those opportunities that present themselves. When you're more established, you can afford to be a little bit more selective. But until then, like take it where you can get it, honestly. That's, that's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll agree to disagree. This has been
1: Around <laughs> with Stephen Cole. Our guest was Todd Price from NOLA.com, The Times Pick You. And thanks for having me. This is great, guys. Uh,
0: thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah and you were? Oh, yeah, I'm T. Cole Newton, and, uh, yeah, we're we're coming at you from 12 Mile Limit, but we may record other places now that, uh, you know, we, we've got some options. We're freewheeling <laughs> these days. Right on. I'm Stevie
1: Uman. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.
0: theme music for Around with Stephen Cole is by Derek Freeman. A big thanks to all of our listeners
1: and supporters. If you would like to become a supporter of Around with Stephen Cole, visit us at patreon.com slash arwsac.
0: Thanks again to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next
1: time. Cheers. Cheers.